you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5 this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we're going to read a few verses in chapter 5 and preach out of chapter 6. You know, I believe with all my heart that uh, we have a crisis in America, and that's the destruction of the family. And I've been preaching since uh, uh, I started this church 39, almost 40 years ago, uh, a lot on the family and preaching to a lot of retreats and a lot of other churches, and because I, I believe it's the only hope for America. I believe it's the only hope for any nation. Matter of fact, Genesis 18 talks about that being the only hope for Abraham to establish a great na- nation, that he would rule his children. And, um, you know, the future for the family depends upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you can't change the past, but you sure can influence the future through your children, and that's by having a godly, Christ-honoring home. And here is uh, Moses. He's given his farewell address. He, he wants his work to last, and he wants the nation to last, and to go into prosperity. And he gives the only hope in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy uh, for this wicked world to survive it. The Lord knows how bad uh, uh, it is for our children and grandchildren. I know when I was coming up, uh, things were not as bad as it is today. Today, there's a lot of terrorism, there's a lot of rebellion, there's a lot of uh, suicide, the number one killer for our teenagers besides uh, distracted driving and drunk driving and drugs is, is uh, suicide. That's sad. They have, they've lost their hope. And so uh, I believe with all my heart, these parents and we grandparents uh, have a great influence on the next generation. And we need to take that as an awesome, awesome privilege and honor and responsibility. So if you have your uh, Bible, stand in honor of the Word of God and uh, in reverence to the reading of His Word. I want you to see verse 29 of Deuteronomy chapter 5. I'll back up while you're finding your place. In verse 1 it says, Moses called all Israel, chapter 5 verse 1, and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgment which I speak into your ears this day that you may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Orem. And so, folks, God has made a covenant. Verse 6 says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, the basis of all the Ten Commandments, he gives the Ten Commandments in chapter uh, 5, verse uh, 15 and following. But in verse 29, he sums it up. In chapter 5, he says, Oh, that there were such a heart in them, such a heart in them, that they fear me, God speaking, and keep my commandments always, that, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go say to them, get you into your tents again, but as for thee, stand thou here by me, God speaking to Moses. And I will speak unto thee all the commandments and statutes and judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God has commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. There's no room for compromise. And ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that ye may live, that ye may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Now, these are the commandments and statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God 
commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, that's grandchildren, all the days of thy life, and thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it, that it may be well with thee, that you may be increased mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. And here's what he said about establishing a great nation to have a life that's happy and a life that's prosperous. speaking, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be a frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he sware unto the fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig that thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou planteth not, and <clears throat> thou shalt have eaten and, and, and be full. That's where America's at. <clears throat> then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee out, forth, uh, brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt in the house of bondage. And thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are all around about you. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for this special day that we dedicate and rededicate our lives to influencing children. Lord, thank you, dear God, for families here that want godly families for their teenagers. They want to put a city of refuge in this wicked and perverse generation that we do live in. And God, help us. Help us, God, to be faithful. Lord, help us to see the admonition of a great nation and establishing a great nation and possessing what God has promised that we can possess by your covenant. And Lord, I pray that you see, we could see the importance of living and loving you in our homes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the future for the family is dependent upon what you do with his word, yield to his spirit, and obey his commandments. It's being saved, first of all, parents, because you can't take somebody where you've never been. You know, a lot of people say, well, you ought to do as I uh, say and not do as I do. That's a bunch of baloney. They'll do twice as what you do and probably sin an extreme of what you do. But folks, we need to walk the walk and not just talk the talk in these last days. There must be a ray of hope somewhere for our children. You know, we live in a day where over 100,000 children in America are behind bars. I go every uh, month to the YDC for 39 years. I've been going, no, about 35 years. 
And I see so, so many cases of children that just wish they had a mom and daddy. And you know, they wish that their mom and daddy had brought them to Sunday school because they couldn't drive when they were four and five years old. They, and they shouldn't. They'd probably try. Or ten or nine or whatever. And folks, they wish they'd had a parent to take the Bible out and read them the Word of God. That there wouldn't be a substitute in the home called TV or video games that would uh, saturate all their time. And if you don't believe that TV affects you, let me ask you a question. Why does somebody pay a million dollars for a 30-second commercial on a Super Bowl if what you see doesn't affect you? Amen? But I want you to know there's, there's 40% uh, of, of children living in broken homes today. There's 65 out of 100 kids between ages 7 and 11 who have received psychiatric, psychiatric help in America. There's one million of our girls between ages of 12 and 17 that get pregnant. There's uh, 20%, there's one out of five teenagers use drugs twice a week. And there's 10 million minors that are affected with venereal disease. I don't believe that's God's plan. And I don't believe that's what God wants. I believe God created all beings, including your children, for His glory and His honor. And you know, there's a lot of dropout dads and there's a lot of misdirected moms around that just feel like that if they can just give their kid everything that they want and they'll be happy and if they can uh, work three jobs to provide them the long Christmas list that everything's going to work out all right. But I want to tell you something, friend. They need more than what money can buy. They need peace and joy and love. They need, a, they need a foundation. You know, in the 60s, the youth of America lost their authority. People stopped being uh, authoritative in the home. I believe that you shouldn't be a dictator. You ought to be a leader. But I believe there ought to be discipline. I believe discipline tells a child that the consequences of sin is worse than pleasure of sin for a season. That's all it is. It's saying, hey, the wage of sin is death. And folks, some people think they're going to die when, when their parents spank them. But seven times... In the book of Proverbs, the Bible tells us that we ought to spank or discipline our children. The reason is we teach them a valuable lesson. The consequences of sin will be there, son, daughter. Don't go there. But the pleasure of living for God. In the 70s, youth lost their ability to, to love. There was a me de uh, decade. Um, substituting sex for love and um, lusts for love. In the 80s, the youth lost their hope with liberalism in the church, with humanism in the school, with paganism in the society. In the 90s, youth lost, uh, lost their way. In the 2000s, some youth, a lot of youth, not all youth, there's some great youth that live for God, they lost their values. And I want to tell you something, we're one generation away from destruction. We're one generation from just total chaos and, and leaving God out. And I believe with all my heart, that we need to come back to God in the family. I want you to see, first of all, the future for the family in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 6. It says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that He might, that ye might do them in the land, whether you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all thy statues and his commandments, which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. You know, there's only one promise, uh, uh, one commandment with a promise connected to it, and that's uh, honor thy father and thy mother as the days of thy, 
uh, thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It is honor. You want to energize your marriage, you ought to have honor. As I often say, and say it too much, you ought to smile when your wife comes in the room, not when she leaves it. Amen? Even if you're watching your favorite ball game, hallelujah. I believe that you ought to honor her more than an unannounced guest. I believe there ought to be some respect. And I believe when you respect your parents and when the parents respect their children as humans that need to grow and they haven't arrived and, and, uh, and, and nurture them and love them and help them and care for them and set the example, I believe there's a godly atmosphere. I think it's a refuge in a chaotic society. I believe it's light in all the darkness. I believe the home ought to be a place where children actually like to go to and not run to the bedroom and get into the uh, cyberspace and try to escape all reality and fight wars and do all kinds of things. And God's promised a future for the family that begins with the parents. He even says the grandparents will have a great influence on them. A lot of times juvenile delinquency is simply a child trying to act like a parent. And folks, before there's juvenile delinquency, a lot of times there's parent delinquency. I believe with all my heart that the, the key is the fear of the Lord in the parents and the grandparents. That means that the fear of the Lord means not that He's going to kill you any minute, that you're scared to death of Him. We learned in Sunday school we shouldn't be fearful. But the fear of the Lord is the awesome dread of displeasing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is simply this. It's reverence knowing that he is God, and there is no other God before Him. And that all the idols are nonsense, and all the cults are empty, and that all the religion without God is not a relationship. And folks, there are, there's a future for the family when we fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. And folks, I believe the fear of the Lord brings peace and joy and love. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 4, that humility and the fear of the Lord brings riches and honor and life. Without humility and without the fear of God, there is no riches. I don't care how much money you make. You can't bribe your children into happiness. Because, folks, they, you can't buy happiness and you can't buy love. But you sure can beg God for His presence, His love, and His glory to be manifested in your home. I think it's a wonderful opportunity. And I believe it all starts with mom and daddy becoming a child in their faith. Childlike faith means I can't figure him out. I can't trace him. I've got to trust him and come as a humble child before God and say, save me by the grace of God. You paid it all. I can't earn any of it. So the future for the family. Then second of all, there's the foundation for the family. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. How many want to have a happy life? Nobody's signing up for a miserable life. And I want to say this. These children didn't uh, ask to come to this world. You brought them into this world. And I believe there's a great responsibility in that. And I believe there's an awesome privilege there that you ought to be a good steward of all God's blessing. It says that it may be well with thee, but it'll be well with them. I want to tell you, my mother was strict. My daddy was an alcoholic, and I mean burnt the house up and wrecked the cars and spent all the money and the grocery money even on drinking. But I had a mama. And I had a mama that would get me up every Sunday morning and bring me to Sunday school, and she even took daddy. 
She said, if you're going to eat today, you're going to come to church. He'd go and read his courtly while, while, uh, while the preacher preached. Court, that's why we don't have courtlies around here. And, uh, uh, he, you know, he was there because he wanted to eat. And my mother meant it. She wouldn't cook for anybody that didn't come to church. And so she drugged me. I was on drugs the time I was two years old. She drugged me to Sunday school. She drugged me to church. She drugged me to RAs and GAs on Wednesday. She drugged me to work days. We were, if, the, if there was something in the church, I was there. And I didn't know why I was there. I just knew that if I was going to be happy, I had to do what Mama said. I had the fear of Mama. But then after I got saved, I got the fear of God. Amen? And I want to tell you something. It's a blessing to have a Mama like that. It said that they may be well with thee. And folks, with all the stuff going on, and thank God I grew up to be a preacher, was preaching on a Sunday night in Decatur, Georgia, and my daddy walked the aisle and got saved. And lived seven, and on his deathbed, he said, the only regret I have, son, is I only lived seven years. Tell everybody to get saved when they're children. Because I went out of World War II messed up, crutching on liquor, and I just want to apologize to you. And he said something to me that touched my heart. He said, son, I want you to know I love you. And please forgive me for not being the daddy I ought to be. Well, he was forgiven by God and by this son. And folks, it all started when Mama said, we're going to draw the standard. We're going to be putting God first. We're going to fear God. It says, may, it says that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of the fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. What good is milk and honey if everything's sour at home? Amen? And so I want you to see the foundation of the home. The future is based on the promises of God. The future is bright as God's promises. But I want to tell you something. The foundation is God's love. Look at verse 5. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Folks, number one is sincere love. You know, folks, we ought to sincerely love God. He died for you. He came to this earth. And if that's not love, what is love? He left the splendor and glory of heaven and came down to this earth and was born in a manger. And some people are against Christmas, but I'm sure not against the birth of Christ. Because he was, he, he was born... Uh, miraculously. It was an immaculate conception. He was, a, he was born of a virgin, prophesied 743 years before the fact by Isaiah. And folks, I want you to know, he came to this earth for one reason. He loved you. God commended his love towards us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5. That means he demonstrated it. He just didn't talk it. He walked it. And he came to this earth to rescue our unworthy souls. That is love. And if you can't love a Savior like that, something's wrong with you. And then, you know, I think about sincere love influences the family. Karl Marx, Jewish family, dead, said he, was going, he wasn't going to go to the Jewish synagogue anymore. He was going to go to the Lutheran church for business contacts. And so, he was so delusioned by this and so hurt with his father that something he said died within him. Later in life, he said, religion is just an opiate for people. He became that communist leader, that wicked atheist. Why? Because daddy chose to go to the Lutheran church for business contacts. Folks, it's sincere love. I believe, folks, there ought to be one thing that your, your children ought to grow up and say about you. My daddy and my mama love God. 
sincerely. And that my daddy and my mama sincerely love each other. Made holy vows to God. And thank God they keep them and they don't walk out when the going gets tough. And they're committed love. There's consecrated love. There's sacrificial love. My daddy loves my mama like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It's a great testimony. It's sincere love. And then it's selfless love with all your soul. You know, there's one thing about love. It ought to be loyal. Amen? I believe with all my heart, when you love God, you don't love the world. You certainly don't love yourself like you used to. And you don't love Satan. And you don't love sin. You love God. And then it's strong love. It says, with all thy might. With all thy might. Folks, I believe that strong love means committed love. I believe strong love means when the going gets tough, you just love each other more. Amen? And then I want you to see, last but not least, the formula for the family that's described in verse 6. It says, In these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Folks, we cannot get just the head knowledge. We must have a heart knowledge. And here it is. That thou shalt teach them diligently. That's the commandments of God. That's the word of God. Unto thy children. And, there, and listen to this. And thou shalt talk of them while thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy head, hand, and thou shalt be as a frontlist between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on the gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which is swear unto the fathers, to the Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. Folks, listen. I want to tell you something. The formula is your faith should be transmitted and transforming to your children. Husband, you need to realize you are called to be the leader. Not the dictator, the leader. You're called to be the head of the house. You're called to be the guardian. You're called to be a, a priest to your children, intercede for them. You're called to set the pace. You're more important than those high price coaches that get fired every two or three years because they don't win the SEC championship. You're more important than that. You're more important than a CEO of, of a corporation. You have been called to lead your family. And no one can lead and love your family like you, parents. Folks, the wrong persons are molding our children's mind. You need to make your children dependent upon God. As you follow Christ, they, they'll follow you. And I believe with all my heart that you need to start early. Between one and seven is a formative years. And they learn about 70% of all they're going to ever learn. And someone asks, uh, how soon should I train my child? And the pastor said, well, how old is your child? He says, well, he's five years old. He says, you're, and his response was, you're five years late. Right. I believe you ought to train them as you're carrying that baby to the, to the voice of the man of God. Right. Amen? I believe with all my heart. Chris Hanks was telling me that... Um, uh, they had a goat, uh, and that goat would just make all kinds of racket all night long. And for some reason, they put a tape of my preaching in a cassette, put it out there in a garage, and that goat immediately went to sleep. <laughs> and they called me and told me that long distance. Said, we tried other preachers, it wouldn't work, preacher. And I said, well, thank God I put a lot of people to sleep, but I never put a goat to sleep. 
But I want to tell you something. I believe a baby ought to recognize the man of God's voice from the womb. I believe you ought to start early. And I, I believe, folks, you should teach your children. How should you teach them? Look at verse 7. It says, Thou shalt teach them diligently. What are you diligent about? That means convincingly. From your heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Folks, it ought to be a heart manner. You ought to, you ought to be a, a fanatic. Which the, the, the root word is fan. And that word means ardent follower when it comes to following Christ. They ought to realize that this place is more important than any place because it's a place of worshiping the living God. But we have misplaced priorities, don't we? And I want to tell you something, friend. Your children will only be convinced if you're convinced, and they'll only be diligent as you're diligent. Then we ought to, we ought to not only uh, teach them convincingly, we need to teach them consistently. Look at verse 7, the last half. It says, when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. It's consistent. It's day by day. That's how the devil tempts you, day by day. And folks, I want to tell you something. This Sunday religion ain't going to get it done. Hey, I want to tell you something. I abhor ceremonies. I don't believe the Lord's Supper is a ceremony. I don't believe baptism is a ceremony. I don't believe baby dedication should be a ceremony that you're going to go and, and, uh, and, and get a certificate and have a Bible, and I'm glad you did all that, but I'm going to tell you something, folks. If it's just a ceremony, it won't work. As a matter of fact, you'll be double accountable for making a vow that you shouldn't have made. I believe, folks, it's an act of worship. And I believe it's an act of commitment. And I believe it ought to be done consistently. When you get home, they ought to see the same love, same joy. They ought to see the same priorities in your life at home as they do in this church. Amen? A couple argued all the way to the church. I mean, fussed and fought over that lost sock. I mean, they were just belligerent and mean and mad. And then they came in and all of a sudden a smile came upon their face. Then they looked up and saw mom and daddy singing, Oh, how I love Jesus. Handshaking time. They went and shook everybody's hand. And those little kids looked around and said, Man, this building is amazing. <laughs> My parents changed immediately when I came into this place. And folks, it ought not be. We ought to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. This is not a religious ceremony this morning. This is a relationship. Amen. And we're expressing it corporately. But folks, the greatest time to worship is every day. Every moment. So there ought, to be a, there ought to be teaching from the heart, convincingly. There ought to be teaching that consistently. Then there ought to be teaching conversationally. When thou liest down and when thou risest up, when thou walkest by the way, when thou sittest. I think the main topic of lunch ought to not be roasting the preacher, but I believe it ought to be lifting the Lord. Amen? I, don't, I know none of y'all would ever do that. Amen? That'd give me indigestion to think about it. It's not politics. It's not your favorite sports team every time you sit down at the table. Go dogs. Or go whoever. But I want to tell you what it ought to be. It ought to be the main topic when you sit it down, when you rise us up, when you walk it. It's Jesus. After all, who saved you? Who is saving you? And who will save you from this present corrupt world? I'm going to you some folks, he ought to be the apple of our eye. He ought to be the object of our love. And folks, I believe we teach our children uh, in common things and apply them to the Word of God. Problems and trials come and, 
and we take that and give Scripture how we're going to go on anyway. And, and folks, our conversation exalts the Lord. Folks, you say, well, I, I can't go that far. Well, I want to tell you something. It's total love that leads to total commitment, and then it's total commitment to your children to teach them and train them in the way they should go. And it's not always browbeating and preaching and yelling and screaming and, and uh, fussing and fighting. It's love and joy and peace and conversations about the Lord and applying everyday things to God. What's your mindset? Penny for your thought. What do you think about when you get in the shower? I think about getting out. Amen? I don't have much hair to wash, so I just get, out, get in and get out. Praise God. Go to the next thing. What, what do you think about? What, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the object of your, of your goal for the day? What, what, are you, what, what, is your, what are you pursuing? What are you seeking? Well, let me tell you this. Whatever, you're, whatever is on your mind the most, whatever is on your heart the most, it will be captured in your, in your children's heart. Amen? I mean, it's amazing. They're going to do what daddy and mama do. I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. Some of y'all are not, and that's fine. But I got a son that went down to Valley Point, and this coach converted him to the Tennessee Orange. And I'm going to tell you something. Every time Bryce comes to the house, he wears orange on purpose just to rub it in. Now, this year is a little different. But anyway, and, and he'll come and say, Go Vols! And I said, Yeah, that's all right. Hey, man, it's okay. And, but you know something? I'll tell you something. The other day he was sitting in the in his uncle's office, and they were trying to run him out, and he said, I want you to know something. My, my, that assistant pastor right there is my uncle, and I'll stay in this office if I want to. <laughs> and he, he loves church and loves God. And folks, I want to tell you something. That's more important than loving the Vols or the dogs or whoever, or the hogs. That'd be great if your team's the hogs. Amen. But anyway, praise God. I love to eat hogs. Hallelujah. But anyway, folks, listen. The conversation of your life ought to be Jesus. I mean, every day you ought to bring up something about how He loves you and how He's taking care of you and, and how He walked with us and how He's provided Daddy a job and how He gives Mama the grace to, to be patient with 16 kids and, and uh, how God's given us this food and we don't just say a prayer over it. We don't go through the form. One time I was leaving for a trip and I got halfway out of the driveway and one of the kids said, Hey, Daddy, we didn't pray for this trip. I said, Oh, goodness, that's right. Amen. So I bowed my head and I said, Lord, thank you for this food that we're about to eat. And I heard a snickering in the back. Daddy's praying for the food. And I looked around and I said, we're going to stop at McDonald's in just a minute. Amen. But I was, I was going through the form. I wasn't really praying. I was denying the power thereof. Folks, we ought to be uh, teaching convincingly and consistently and conversationally. And we ought to... We ought to be teaching compellingly. Look at verse 9. It says, And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house. Excuse me, look, look at verse 8. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, upon thy frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. Word. Not posters about some multi-millionaire that can dunk a ball. Not Definitely not a poster of a, some rock and roll band that looks like they forgot that every day wasn't uh, Halloween, Kiss, and all those. That's what, that's what we was around when I was a kid. That's awful. Terrible. I hate to admit it. No, we ought to have Scripture on the wall. We ought to have, we ought to have 
uh, we ought to have promises on the wall. We ought to have it in the front of our eyes and it ought to come out of our mouth and he ought to be on our mind. What am I saying in closing? We ought to have an atmosphere in our home that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ because I want to tell you something. You can build a house, but you can never build a home. We need to build a fortress today. We need to build a haven of rest. We need to build a refuge in this day for our children to come home. And folks, I want to tell you something. It ought to be such a declaration of dependence that our kids know that we know God. I know a lot of people in Dalton. and I've been here a long time and I've met a lot of people, but I want to tell you something. I hope and pray that my children don't, don't admire me for knowing a lot of people. You stay in one place for 40 years, you're going to know a lot of people. But I hope they'll be admiring me because their daddy knew God. In verse 9, the Bible says, And thou shalt write them upon the post home. But then it says, When you get to these vineyards that you didn't plant and these wells that you did not dig, and when you realize you're out of the house of bondage of Egypt, Fear the Lord and serve Him. And don't forget. Just don't forget. This is Thanksgiving. You know who the most grateful people on this earth ought to be? People that have a godly family. Have a godly marriage. You ought to thank God for your wife if she wants to serve God. You ought to thank God for your wife, not teaching them lyrics of a rock and roll song, but teaching them the Word of God and the Scriptures. You ought to thank God for a man of God that will work all week and be so tired on Wednesday night he can hardly step in the house, but he goes and gets a shower and tries to get refreshed, eats a quick uh, hamburger on the way to the house of God. You ought to thank God for a man that wants to come to the house of God and not just party all the time. Or just spend money, but invest money in worldwide things like reaching souls. You ought to thank God. I want you to look at verse 20 and 21 of this chapter, and I'll close, and I really will. The Bible says this, And when thy son asketh thee in the time to come, <laughs> saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. I was lost, son. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great sore upon Egypt, upon Egypt, and upon all the household before our eyes. And listen to this, verse 23, and He brought us out from thence. Aren't you glad you saved this morning? He brought us out that we might, that He might bring us in to give us the land which He sweared to us by our fathers. The abundant life is He brought you out to bring you in. He wants you to enjoy the promises of God. He wants you to enjoy His presence. He wants you to demonstrate, and folks, I believe it's the only right thing to do is to give your children the same opportunity you have. And that's one day to bring up a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in the atmosphere of love and obedience. Preacher was going down the hospital 
hallway to his son's room to tell him some of the worst news that he could ever share with anybody because it was his only son, 12 years old. He'd done this before with many other people. I spent the week with Amy and Mark and the children and Stephanie and the children because they're soon going to go back to to South Africa, we want to spend one more week of vacation with them. I don't, I don't regret that or apologize a bit about it. It was a wonderful week, a wonderful time. But all the time, I'd catch myself daydreaming. Said, "Man, it's only sixty days or forty days before they're going to say bye, and probably won't see him for five years." Because I know Mark with this camp rhino, he's going to pour his life into it. And it's going to be a long time. And I started getting depressed when I should have been. Excited on vacation for them just leaving because I was with them. And I said, I got to snap out of this thing. I got I to enjoy being with them. But the, the little boy was dying. And he went in the room and saw his pale face, and the light was coming in the window. And you could see his, he was just, just being drained of life and this leukemia. He had, to, he, had to, he had to whisper to his son, and then finally his son woke up, and he said, Son, I, I have some news for you, and I don't want to share this with you, but I, got, I think you need to know, and I'm going to tell you this just straight out. And Daddy's heart's broken, but soon you're going to be with Jesus. He began to tear up a little bit, and the Daddy was already teared up and about to weep. And he, look, he looked at him, and he said, Son, are you afraid to be with Jesus? And he looked up at his daddy. And he looked up at his daddy with sincere heart and love. And he says, no, daddy, not if he's like you. No, daddy, not if he's like you. And I want to say this, friend. God wants you to be like him. If you have children, God wants you to be like him. If you don't have children, God wants you to be like him because you influence so many other children in the next generation. But I believe the greatest privilege on this earth is a godly home. And to look up to mom and daddy that love the Lord thy God with all their heart, with all their soul, and all their might. And say, my daddy knows God. My mama knows God. And not only do they know him, they love him day by day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. I pray this message has been a message, not just a little outline. God, I pray that we'll go home and meditate on it and think about it and obey it. God, thank you. Thank you for what happened this, this morning with many parents that said, I'm saved, I'm happily married, and I want to glorify you as I give my children to the Lord. And Lord, I thank you, dear God, for every parent in this room, every grandparent, but God, I thank you for every Christian and every couple that God bring you home, bring the Holy Spirit home when they go home. Now, this is not just a religious ceremony, but God, this is a time of training and a time of exhorting and a time of even rebuke that we can go home and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ to the ones we love the most, our family. Lord, I pray a hedge around every family in this room. I pray that Satan would leave them alone, but I know he won't. But I pray that when they're attacked,
they'd draw nigh to the cross, love each other, and love and teach their children in such a way that they'll be prepared for the battles, but also, Lord, they'd be recipients of the blessings of God. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me with a godly mama. And thank you for saving my daddy. Lord, it's the highlight of my ministry. To realize my daddy's waiting for me in heaven one day. Because he got saved. Lord, help us to be like you is our prayer.